professional or amateur athlete is injured, time to treatment is critical. That's why more tri-state schools and coaches trust the trainers and doctors of Beacon Orthopedics. In fact, more than 30 high schools, club, college, and pro teams choose Beacon Orthopedics as their official medical providers. On the sidelines and in the operating room, we get athletes back in the game safely and quickly with comprehensive sports medicine care. At Beacon Orthopedics, we care for the pros, student-athletes, and weekend warriors every day. Welcome into another episode of your WCPO High School Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Dyer, joined today by uh, Triple Double Prospects analyst Corey Albertson, a longtime area boys basketball evaluator, analyst, a little bit of everything. You, you name it. Yeah. Corey's the guy when it comes to our area boys basketball scene. Corey, thanks for stopping by. I appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me, Mike. I really appreciate uh, well, being here. We're uh, week two of the high school football season. You might be wondering, why are we talking hoops? But boy, oh boy, there's been a ton of off-season news, and that's why I wanted to bring Corey in. He's always been uh, kind enough uh, to to me and everybody here uh, as far as giving his evaluations and previews of teams and top players, and uh, I definitely want to get into a lot of our area um, news and happenings uh, from this summer leading into this fall. So we'll get to Corey here in a second. But as always, this uh, High School Insider podcast is presented by our local Chick-fil-A restaurants where the winning play is always chicken. Download the app today for extra points and you can always find this WCPO High School Insider on Google Play, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. And as I mentioned, we're going to be talking some uh, boys basketball with Corey Albertson here in a second. But uh, week one of high school football, we don't have uh, our uh, Keenan Singleton in uh, studio today. We're going a little bit earlier on the podcast today, but uh, I tell you what, there's been uh, some interesting games in week one and uh, most of the news, obviously, uh, this weekend revolved around the uh, the incident at Welcome Stadium, unfortunately, um, the Roger Bacon and Dayton Dunbar game that uh, gained national attention after a uh, Dayton Dunbar player um, uh, purportedly uh, headbutted an official there during the second quarter. About seven minutes left to go in that first half, and uh, the game was called after that uh, that incident. And OHSA has begin, begun its investigation in, into that. And uh, we were waiting to hear back from uh, either the OHSA or Dayton Public Schools on what uh, repercussions there may be from that uh, from that action. Uh, Dayton Public Schools released a, a statement on Sunday. And, and as I've reported throughout the weekend, um, the OHSA is continuing to look at this. They released a statement on Sunday saying that they believe this is an isolated incident. But uh, yeah, I tell you what, it's it's uh, really unfortunate that we were talking about that because uh, certainly Roger Bacon had a, an outstanding game. They won the game 23-8. to eight. Uh, Corey Kiner, the outstanding junior running back, had an 86-yard opening kickoff return for a touchdown. He also scored another rushing touchdown in that game. And in um, and, and talking to Spartans coach Mike Blatt, he addressed it with his team on, on Monday and for a couple of minutes, and he said, hey, you know, guys, we, we just have to – this is a, a lesson um, about keeping your composure and, and all – facets of the game and, and all, uh, um, you know, uh, walks of, of what we do in our football program. And so, um, you know, obviously an important, unfortunate incident. Dayton Dunbar is scheduled to play at Milford this Friday night. And we're waiting to hear back to see what the OHSA does, as I mentioned before, but Corey, I know you're a basketball guy first and foremost, but, uh, have you ever, experienced or seen an incident where you know a player has gone after an official or anything similar to what occurred this past weekend i don't think i've seen anything to that extent mike um 
I have certainly been on the AAU travel circuit or showcases events, and especially when college recruiters get around, parents can get a little testy. And I've seen a parent go after a ref in an AAU contest in Chicago. Definitely seen some team skirmishes, but never seen a player uh, attack a ref. And I did follow your story, and um, that's that's unfortunate stuff. It really is. Yeah, and I think, you know, the age of social media and the way it is today, Corey, as you know, just like everybody else in the media and, and who has a vested interest in high school sports. I mean, it's like people tend to pile on and, and you know, and we may overreact in some cases in terms of uh, what the uh, punitive damage might be or, or may not be at the end of the day. But, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm not the one that's going to be deciding what repercussions there are for Dayton Dunbar or that student athlete or, or anything going forward. But certainly, um, when you talk about an officiating problem in the state of Ohio for all sports, we've talked about fan behavior before. We really haven't talked about behavior on the field. So this is kind of, you know, out of the ordinary when it comes to that. But uh, certainly, I think, uh, you know, the OHSA and Dayton Public Schools, they have a task on their hand to see uh, what exactly needs to be done uh, going forward because, um, you know, you never want to see this and you never want to have um, – you know, uh, any high school competition, whether it be football, basketball, whether it be volleyball or tennis, anything marred by a, an incident like this, where it just really overshadows the 99% of the other student athletes are just doing their job and just trying to get the season going. So, um, you know, it, it's one if of If I can th- say in, in basketball, I think we have a problem in the high school game with the kids complaining to the refs. And I, it, I don't think I know it stems from the NBA. And you know what? When when the NBA changed and Steph Curry started shooting all the threes, the kids started shooting all the threes, and that's all good. But with the the high school basketball, I think there's a little too much crying to the refs sometimes, and the parents, I mean, can just be brutal. And I'll tell you, if I go to a high school basketball game on a Friday night and I'm in a section, I hear parents on the refs nonstop or on the coaches nonstop, I just move. Call both I, I ways, just, right, yeah, Corey? Right, that's brutal. So <laughs> I'll just I'll just go sit on the other side. I'll go sit somewhere yeah. else. You know, I just I can't take it. You know, the refs are. They're the best you're going to get. You're not going to replace them with someone better at, at the high school level. You just have to accept what it is. And I've highlighted this throughout the course of the winter. And the OHSA had an open letter from Executive Director Jerry Snodgrass and the National Federations weighed in about you know what can be done to retain some of these officials. We've had John Saggers on this podcast many a times. And uh, you know I think at the end of the day, and people ask me, have you ever considered officiating or have you ever done that before? You've written about high school sports. So you couldn't pay me enough to do no. that. I'm sorry. I don't know about you, Corey. But never, never, <laughs> it's ever. It's one of those ever. things that... It just does not. And they do a good job. You know, I've I've been to other events and and I think I think our guys that do the top level games, at least on the basketball side, I think they do a really, really good job and they care. Uh, Some of them will come talk to me before the game. They follow you know some of the tweets I might do and everything. And, you know, they really take it seriously. And I wish people would appreciate those guys. Very well said there. But uh, obviously, big games are WCPO game of the week. Just kind of uh, transitioning a little bit. St. Xavier at Coleraine, the renewal of the area's. For my money, the area's uh, best high school football rivalry, and um, it'll be the 39th meeting between those two programs since uh, 1984. Obviously, new coach for the Cardinals there on Chevy Road, and Sean Cutright, the longtime defensive coordinator, is going to be facing Steve Speck. But uh, as I talked to Steve Speck over the weekend, he said, yeah, Colerain and St. X, it's all about uh, the teams and, the, and the, the game on the field. It's uh, both programs. There's not one person that's above any program or any team, and it's it's all about the, the revival. Ro- Rivalry that is, and uh, it's going to be a Titanic uh, a matchup once again. Uh, a renewal of the series, uh, be a home and home agreement, be over in St. X there in 2020. And then Wynton Woods at West Claremont mentioned this game. Mayan Williams, outstanding senior running back for Wynton Woods, going to Iowa State. He's just 37 yards away from 5,000 career rushing yards. Um, so the 2018 Ohio Mr. Football runner up is certainly 
uh, creating his name and, and you know, uh, nearing a milestone, which certainly is he's going to be on the, the state record list here when it's all said and done. However, Wenton Woods uh, goes this season as far as uh, the postseason and and, uh, and beyond. LaSalle at Mason is another top game. Taft at Wyoming, uh, reported on Taft. And you know very well Evan Prater, his basketball uh, talent on the court there, Tremendous Corey. Player. But uh, he had an outstanding game, very efficient. I think it was something like 14 of 17 last uh, week. Uh, he counted for six touchdowns up there uh, against Columbus Academy. And obviously everybody knows he's going to UC, the future quarterback there with the Bearcats. Number two rated player in the entire state in the 2020 class by 247 Sports in football. He's going to play basketball this year too, Corey. I've been told so. Um, He's one of the kids who I, I saw him play as a freshman in high school basketball. And my good friend who lives in Columbus area, Kurt Stubbs. Sometimes I'll tell him about a young kid, and Kurt will be like, "You're wasting your time." <laughs> He's going to be on the football field, and it's, that's held true with a lot of kids. But Evan being one that uh, he's been a great basketball player. But you know, I followed his recruitment and known the family, nice people, and really happy to see where he's gone. And I know he hasn't lost a football game in, in a long time. They've had a 32-game regular season winning streak, which is tops in anywhere in any division in the state of Ohio, um, that being Wyoming. 15-0 and last year. They've won 16 consecutive games, obviously, with the win last week. Then I want to mention uh, Newport Central Catholic at Roger Bacon. Uh, Roger Bacon has a renovated Braun Basevich Stadium that they're pleased to open this uh, weekend and, and rededicate uh, and certainly after uh, last weekend, everybody wants to kind of turn the page there over there at Roger Bacon. But uh, uh, the stadium is built in 1954. Is Obviously, if you haven't been there, it's, it's one of the storied venues in all of Cincinnati uh, when it comes to high school football. And I know everybody over there and Coach Mike Blout are very excited about uh, rededicating that uh, on Friday night against Newcastle. So let's talk some hoops. Uh, I just I like to change a pace here a little bit, Corey. I mean, there were a lot of uh, a lot of offseason news, a lot of things that I was kind of texting about uh, uh, transfers and, and just kind of you know. There's always college recruiting news, never stops. Tell me what your summer's been like and what uh, what what's been going on with triple double prospects. You're always a busy guy with your podcast, your sure. your events. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, for for basketball. You know, I, I just try and do things that are fun, that I enjoy. And I said, I've got a day job, too, now, and I've had for several years. And I just take on things that I like, um, the podcast being one of them, try and do once a week. We've been okay with that. And uh, the events we do in the fall is we do an open gym. It's, for the most part, invite only. You know, we get some requests. We try to accommodate as many as we can. And it's really just a, a building of a brand thing for me with the local kids, develop relationships, get some eyes on top players, get them in there. I let them organize it for the most part in terms of who's on what team, who's next, and all that. I want to, you know, see how they interact with each other. And uh, we really enjoyed this year, uh, joined by the 275 Hoops guys. They are an offshoot of um, my good friend Zach Fleur, 270 Hoops in Columbus. Does a great job, has a tremendous following up there, and they're going to bring that to Cincinnati, and I'm really excited to follow them. And then as for the summer, it was just running around a lot, trying to see some team camp stuff with high school kids, but more seeing the grassroots circuit. And uh, they did a Ohio Coaches Association showcase, which Division ones are allowed to attend. And we probably had, out of the 100 kids, maybe 20 of them were Cincinnati kids. Tell us a little bit about uh, that partnership, I guess, with with 275 hoops there and what you guys will be doing for this upcoming season yeah sure so so for the upcoming season i mean we're definitely friends i don't i don't know what we're doing in terms of coverage i know they're going to be going to a lot of games i'm going to be going to a lot of games um 
in all the cities in Ohio, we're seeing an increase in, in media presences with video is a huge part sure. of it. They're going to be doing that, which I think is great. Uh, we were kind of the city in, in Ohio that's behind in terms of maybe some social media and some video stuff that I'm not big on, nor am I <laughs> educated on how to do all that. Right. I stick to Twitter and I, you know, I don't have my Cincy Prep Hoops report, which I used to have. I just post articles on my triple double prospect site when I get a chance and do Twitter. So uh, Brett and Jake, I think are going to really uh, take over the scene along with what you guys are doing and uh, covered at, covered at uh, high school basketball in Cincinnati. If anybody hasn't read the descriptions of uh, the breakdowns of some of these players that you have in the area on your site, I mean, you should do that. I mean, it's very, very well done, very efficient. Uh, just like the way that you kind of break things down and, and, your talent evaluator. I mean, really, you you know what you're talking about. Uh, why is this such a passion for you, Corey? Well, it's it's something that I started. Um, so I was I was a manager for Coach Cronin at Cincinnati, and when I did that, I also started coaching AU. And I mentioned my buddy Kurt Stubbs before, and he was doing a great job covering the entire state on a website called Ohio High School Hoops. And one thing I noticed that Kurt living in Columbus obviously was going to gravitate more towards the Columbus kids and his coverage. And he also is a country guy. He likes those small-town kids and everything. Um, he's going to love hearing that. But um, So what I decided was, well, let's start a Cincinnati site. Sure. And so I started a Cincinnati, or Cincinnati Prep Hoops report. And from there, you know, working at UC, I kind of – followed a little bit of, you know, they subscribe to scouting services and scouting services being people who uh, have subscription-based programs that colleges subscribe to for who are the top players in XYZ area that you should recruit, what level can these guys play on, and I eventually said, well, I need to monetize this thing somehow, sure. and uh, have done that, covered the entire state of Ohio, some of Kentucky, but uh, definitely focused on Southwest Ohio, Northern Kentucky, Cincinnati, Dayton area for that, and just something I, something I really enjoy, trying to develop relationships with the local kids, and you know maybe help with parents with questions about how recruiting works, and you know that just helps kind of build my brand that I'm trying to bill which is just to help the coaches in cincinnati and the kids i like to say that high school football is maybe the last sport there you actually get recruited on what you do in season whether it be your for your high school season that is um maybe you could argue that maybe you couldn't but i'm wondering just with this 2020 class in basketball how early are these players identified as having a great amount of potential because I look at this list and I'm thinking, you know, this is we we are blessed with an abundance of talent, obviously in this area, and, and not only in the senior class but just in, in younger classes as well. But it seems like in basketball, everything has just gotten earlier and earlier. Football has too, to some extent. You hear about, you know, college programs offering eighth grade quarterbacks and that sort of thing too. But I wonder, from your perspective in basketball, how early are some of these guys identified as having tremendous upside? Early. Uh, to answer your question, so uh, if you look at the freshmen, no, sorry, the seniors who I think will sign Division One scholarships by the end of the fall, um, I certainly had all of them on my list by the middle of their freshman year at the latest, and that comes from you know hearing about from the AAU guys mainly, who are, you know, the top eighth graders in the area. You talk to one or two parents and they tell me, well, this kid at this school, he's been playing against my son since the fourth grade. You know, he's been the second best one. He's been the third best one. And pretty quickly, you know, there's obviously guys who improve. There's guys who come out of nowhere. But for the most part, all the guys who were top eighth graders who became top freshmen are the guys who are, 
you know, signing Division One letters. And there's you're going to have your Jackson Hayes of the world, but for the most part, it's it's very very young. And you know, I think with one guy you're probably going to mention later that goes to Taft, or one guy that goes to Woodward, it it goes to a lot of hype coming in, even into YouTube and social media level from sixth, seventh grade, definitely seventh grade. How do you sift through all that, Corey? Because I mean, you, you hear, like you said, maybe some parents will tell you, "Hey, you got to check out this kid," or Here, "Here's some video highlights." I mean, at the end of the day, you got to sift through all that and say, mm-hmm. "Okay, what is reality and what is fiction?" So I, I generally don't worry about the freshmen from a from a what they are now standpoint. It's really a potential standpoint. Um, with a few exceptions, you'll get a tremendous talents, but I really don't try and put them on my list. So when, when I send the list out to college coaches, I'm going to rank them and put a level that I think that they can play it at the college level. I don't worry about that for current freshmen until at least the spring of their okay. freshman year sure. when they've got some varsity experience. But um, in terms of sifting through it, I just try and get out and see as many games. And you know, sometimes you got to take those games with a grain of salt. So for example, I you know went out to some games last year for some small school kids who you know people were telling me were really good, and it's hard because the competition's not as good as if you go to, you know, GMC or GCL game. So experience helps with that. You know, videos such as, um, you know, I don't, the mixtape stuff that you see, the highlights, doesn't do a whole lot. But coaches are, are getting great about using Huddle. And, you know, the first thing I usually do if I hear about a kid is, let's just see what he's doing on Huddle. And it maybe it'll give you some glimpse in terms of, like, physical tools, what a kid has um, to offer. Let's get right to it. Will Moeller lose a game this year? <sighs> I'm, I'm going to say yes, though. They'll, they'll, they'll lose a game. Um, are they one of the favorites to win the state championship? Absolutely. Um, obviously, back-to-back state champions. Four players, four juniors, that is, with uh, college scholarship offers. Let's begin with Logan Duncombe. Six foot nine. Yeah, six nine. Six yeah. nine. Um, offers UC Xavier, IU, Ohio State, pretty much you name it around this region. What do you like about his game right now? Well, I've talked to you know Big Ten coaches or you know major Division One coaches in the area within a couple hundred miles. They just think he's just really solid in everything he does. That he just projects as just a you know a Big Ten rim protector, solid offensive player. You know, is he going to be a superstar at that level? Not sure, but he just really does a lot of things well. He thinks the game. You know, he's getting well coached at the high school level. He's developing. If you look at Logan Duncombe, you know, in the face, he still looks so young. It's not like he's got this grown man body compared to everybody else and you know as he fills out he's going to be a really nice player and I, I think he'll probably be the most recruited kid in that class in Cincinnati talk about some of their other guys because I'm, I'm looking here um Alex Williams I've I, I known about him Max Land who's a senior obviously shooting guard uh, son of Eugene Land the former UC forward Aiden Noyes he's, he's a player I'm not very familiar with played JV last year I understand Aiden Noyes played played junior varsity and and he's the most Arguably the most talented along with Logan Duncombe on that team. Uh, very good athlete, can make shots. And, you know, Carl, uh, being Coach Kramer, isn't afraid to kind of slow walk guys through the process. And Aiden will be one of the guys that will kind of have a big junior year and really turn some heads in Cincinnati. And then the other kid on that team that will do that, I'm not sure what his eligibility is, being that he transferred over from Northwest High School, is uh, Evan Mahaffey, who's a sophomore. And uh, you probably know his father Son as well. Son of Jamie, yeah, yeah. of course. Uh, and then Will McCracken as well. I yeah, mean, I mentioned Will McCracken. He's multiple offers as well. I mean, is it Moeller and everybody else in Division One, Corey, at the end of the day? They're definitely the overwhelming favorites. I mean, uh, Coach Kramer would probably tell you that they've got a lot of inexperience, which 
could be argued, but uh, you know, you know how he is. <laughs> but um, they're they're definitely favorites. Princeton and Lakota East and a GMC are going to be right there. Um, a lot of folks think Centerville is going to be right there. Centerville has a ton of talent. Uh, I think if we do this a year from now, we'll be talking about them. They're really young, but um, I, th- I think Princeton has a lot of seniors, a lot of talent. Really, really good sophomore in Bowen Hardman, and uh, East also has a lot of talent and very disciplined program. Talking about Bowen for a quick second, because I know Coach Wright's been raving about him. Mm-hmm. Well, I saw him I saw him at uh, he was at the University of Cincinnati tailgate last Thursday for a visit there. I know Xavier's offered him a scholarship. I know he's been to Ohio State. I know Ohio U's offered him a scholarship. He's a kid that you know um, similar to what Moeller does, where they kind of slow walk him through the process. Last year on the varsity, you know Bowen could score, but they had a lot of older guards, and he kind of just played his role and, and, and slowly came along and by the end of the year was really productive, had a just a great, great uh, AAU season on the Nike circuit and some of those guys at Princeton are still there. They've got a lot of talent in one ball so Coach Wright's going to have to figure out you know how to get everybody shots but Bowen, you know, probably the most talented player in the GMC. Um, him and maybe Trey Robinson and sure, Hamilton would Hamilton, be sure. Nate Johnson, Lakota East. Those would probably be the most talented kids in a really good league. Who are some of these other teams that we should be watching for maybe around the GMC or even the GCL South uh, as far as D1 in this area goes? Yeah, LaSalle turn, returns a lot of guys. They were juniors last year. Got to see them once last year. They'll be good. Um, Hamilton having Trey Robinson is, is going to be in the mix along with Lakota East and Princeton. Walnut Hills will be good. They're always good in sure. that ECC. Turpin will be uh, very good in the ECC. Those are those are the guys that I think stand out. But in terms of just raw talent and ability, you definitely do have a have a falling off after you look at the overall talent of Moeller, then the talent of Princeton and Lakota East, and then it then it starts to drop off. Nobody has the depth of talent uh, as those three. Before we kind of jump to another division here, I mean, do you see anybody in particular around the state in D one as far as being the biggest threat to to Moeller? I mean, whether it be Columbus area, Cleveland mm-hmm. area, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, St. Edward out of Cleveland, you know, they're good in all sports. I know you know that from the football. And they were in the state semifinals last year, and uh, they, they played more, didn't they? I think they played more last year in the state semifinals. I mean, maybe St. Vincent and St. Mary, but they were in the semifinals. Yeah, Moeller played St. V in the final. So Yes, St. Ed's was there. Yep. So um, they returned their three best players who have – at least two of them have been four-year starters now, and uh, they all have Division One interest and offers, and they're going to be definitely in the mix. Um, with St. Vincent, St. Mary going back to Division Two, Moore and Eds are probably the, the major favorites, but there's other teams in there. Um, Lima Senior, people feel really good about up north, and uh, you know Hilliard Bradley, Pickerington North in the Columbus area are supposedly very good, and you know there'll be some of the. I'm sure I'm missing somebody out of Cleveland, That's okay. That's but. You know, Moore's right there in the mix. And I think Princeton and Lakota East are probably top 10 in the state. Another big offseason story was Taft, obviously, uh, telling you something that you already know, obviously, Corey. But uh, uh, Mark Wise, the former Deer Park standout, who two years ago led the Wildcats, helped to lead the Wildcats mm-hmm. to uh, undefeated Division Three state championship. He's now enrolled at Taft, uh, a senior this year. And then obviously, when you talk about one senior, then you talk about a freshman, Rayvon Griffith, uh, the much heralded six foot six wing, uh, who had been playing for Hughes this summer, but uh, decided to enroll at Taft. Um, much has been said about him, and there's there's just a plenty of anticipation all the way around this uh, Taft Senators program. Coach Mark Mitchell was back with the program as an assistant. Um, how do you kind of evaluate Taft right now as we kind of uh, head into uh, to uh, mid September? It's going to be fun. I mean, worst case scenario, it's going to be fun. It's always fun to go to Taft games. I mean, you're going to see some some passion and some wildness. And uh, this year is going to be no different. But 
more anticipated. Uh, you know, the ability that Rayvon Griffith brings will be will be really fun to watch. His athleticism is certainly advanced, and he's been around kind of pressure cooker situations on the circuit. Whereas I think he'll be able to hit the ground running. Um, and then I, I think the kid who who is being undermentioned around the city is Nikai Smith. I mean, he was one of their best players, if not their best player last year. He's got Division One offers. He's back for his senior year. He'll be a force. And then Mark Wise coming over is is adding a tremendous scoring threat. And then they've got an athletic uh, 6-3 wing from Wynton Woods who came over for his senior year, Leroy Walker, who also, you know, is Ravon-level athletic in terms of highlight ability. So uh, they're going to be fun. I want to pick up that thought here in a quick second, uh, but I want to remind everybody this High School Insider podcast is presented by a local Chick-fil-A restaurants where their winning play is always chicken. Go for the extra point today with a side of their new macaroni and cheese, which sounds really good right about now. But one last thought on Taft. Um, Division three, at least locally, is there anybody that could no. compete with them? You answered my question before I even <laughs> asked. <laughs> no, I, I, I wouldn't think so. You know, if you look at like what Purcell Marion was last year, you know, that team could have played with this year's Taft team. But if Taft doesn't beat themselves in Division three, I don't know anyone on state on paper who can who can match that team just in terms of their size and their athleticism. You don't see that at Division three. You see that in Division one. How surprised were you to see? You know, if I would have asked you this back in April or May, let's say, you know, Taft's going to have Rayvon Griffith and Mark Wise. I mean, were you that surprised? Were you not surprised? I'm never surprised about transfers. <laughs> okay. not, not in 2019, Mike. Yeah. I mean, is it just one of those things where guys want to play with other guys that they know that they have a great chance of being successful and having a run to state? Or is it just a showcasing of ability? Is it exposure? Is it all of the above? It's a lot. It's, it's, it's a lot of things. And, uh, you know, development is, is one of them. And, you know, different, different families are going to be drawn to different coaches based on that. And when you look at Mark Wise, it's, it's kind of a, a personal situation that led to him coming over and, and involves, you know, where you live and everything. And also with the kid Leroy that came from Winton Woods. But, you know, with, with the Griffiths, you know, they, they played with Hughes in the, in the summer and just, you know, had a change of heart that Taft was a better fit. And you know, transfers are just, they're part of the game now. It's, it's, and that way we talked about the NBA earlier and how that affects the high school game. Well, the college game is affecting the high school game, in my opinion, with the just abundance of transfers in the, in the college game, that's definitely got to be swaying some of these kids to make moves. Sure, and I shouldn't simplify that, too. I mean, at the end of the day, these are student-athletes. We're talking about basketball players, so there could be educational reasons. There could be mm-hmm. family reasons as well, so I, I don't want to uh, oversimplify that they're just basketball reasons by any stretch. So anybody else that we should be watching in terms of team-wise, I guess, divisions two, three, or four that might be uh, uh, teams to watch this year? Yeah, division two... Um, Woodward is, is loaded with talent. They've got Paul McMillan, the fourth, uh, averaged, what, 25 a game at Hughes last year as a freshman. They've got a couple other kids who are really talented. Uh, big kid Davion Mace, 6'7", super athletic. Got a kid Montev Ware that came over from West High. Uh, junior guard is very talented, and I really like them in Division Two. Uh, Dayton Thurgood Marshall probably being their biggest competition. Wyoming is, is going to be good, you know, you know, Lord willing, Prater doesn't get hurt in football. Right. You know, he's been good about that. Um, Isaiah Walker's over there. I think Division Two. I would I would say Wyoming and um, Woodward. Hughes might be in the mix. And the other team would be uh, Cincinnati Aiken. And uh, Jakarta Stone, junior point guard, one of the best players in the state, in my opinion. Coach Cass's son, Robbie, is a sophomore this year. He's a major threat. So, uh, you know, the City League itself is is getting stronger. And uh, with Taft moving to Division Three, it benefits the City League in that you've got potentially – 
two divisions where they could contend for state titles. Seems like Coach Cass there at Aiken, he always does a great job. It seems like he maximizes the amount of talent that he has and it seems like they're always in the thick of things. Though. And 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 we we in terms of guys who follow it in the city, sometimes we get you know attracted to the the fan bases maybe of Hughes, Taft, and Woodward, or sure. larger than Aikens. But no, Aikens always in the mix. They always have talent. And uh, you know, last year everybody was talking about Hughes, Taft, Hughes, Taft, and Aiken was the team that you know made it to the regionals. So yeah, Coach Cass does a great job. Uh, have known him since he was an assistant. And he puts a lot of a lot of heart and soul into it. What about some other players uh, just to watch? You mentioned Blanchester. Uh, we, we mentioned kind of off off the air here before about mm-hmm. uh, some some of the talent that's uh, outside the city or outside you know two seventy five. There, mm-hmm. Brandon, Brandon Sipple is one of those players, a shooting guard. Yeah, Brandon Sipple. Brandon Sipple is very very good. He uh, hung up the football cleats. Going to focus on basketball. So that twenty twenty one class in Cincinnati just has a lot of talent. Uh, you know, Braden being one of them. We talked about the guys at Moeller. Uh, Cameron McKenzie at Hughes is, is a very, very talented player. Nate Johnson at Lakota East might be the most talented kid, including, you know, the kids at Moeller, um, superior level athlete. And I, I'm really excited about how 21, 2021 progresses. Isaiah Walker, Wyoming, another one we mentioned. Uh, very, very strong class. What about, before I let you go here, Corey, I appreciate all your perspective. Absolutely. Just give me kind of a sense of where we're at high school basketball here. We talk about the transfers. We talk about, you know, the dominance of Moeller. We talk about, you know, kind of the change of uh, of some players here and there around the city. But uh, and it seems like we're obviously, as I mentioned before, just a ton of talent across the board. Uh, mm-hmm. College recruiting-wise, we're in the spotlight all the time. But how do you kind of evaluate where it's at now, you know, here we are toward the end of 2019, as opposed to maybe it was five years ago and maybe what it could be five years from now. You know, it's cyclical. When I, when I first started, um, I, always, I always tell this story. When I first started doing the Cincy Prep Hoops Report, LaSalle won the state title. Uh, Moeller, Lakota East were top five in the state. Their Withrow was unbelievably talented. Taft won the state title that year. And I thought, oh, that's just how it goes. You know, every year it's going to be like that. Then we went through a downswing of talent, and it was just terrible. I mean, we were just, I'd go to the state final four and see our teams get beat up. And it's starting to come back. The last couple of years have been good. Uh, we've got kids who are really committed to it. And, you know, one thing about Cincinnati that you run into is do you lose kids to football? And you're always going to have that with basketball. And, you know, football coach would probably say the same thing. But I do think it's coming coming back in the area. You know, Moeller's a dominant program. The Cincinnati City League is strong. GMC's got talent again. The talent's really moved up there in the last couple of years. And then uh, Covington Catholic is super strong on the Kentucky side. I don't follow that day in and day out, but I do follow Covcath. And, you know, even some of the Dayton teams, you know, Trotwood Madison's made great runs over the last year. So it's been it's been fun to see Southwest Ohio resurgence. And hopefully that continues. Um, you know, we're already talking about some freshmen here. So hopefully that'll continue over the coming years and just a final thought too on the state tournament itself I, mm-hmm. I mean i've talked to jerry snodgrass about this and uh obviously you've heard the news and and a year from now we're gonna see the state tournament go to st john arena mm-hmm. and it's gonna be moved from the schottenstein center first of all what was your reaction when you heard that and then i want to ask you about just the format of how they do things yeah i'm a little neutral on the on the venue i've never been to st john's arena so i can't speak to it um i understand why they're moving it from shot and you know the attendance hasn't been what it's been and you know you could we could do an hour guessing right. why that may or may not be true but i understand from a financial standpoint they can't you know, take a bath on it. They've got to make some money. And if that's the best fit, that's the best fit. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's just a, a venue that's maybe a little tighter where it'll be more intense instead of that kind of open arena atmosphere. If the game's not full, it can be a little um, low energy at times. I mean, are you all for just keeping the semis and the finals there? Because even Jerry's mentioned to me, like, 
there has been some thoughts of, I don't know, for financial reasons or otherwise, mm-hmm. but maybe like in football where you have the state semis at a neutral site and then you just bring everybody in for the state championships on a Friday or Saturday there in Columbus. I mean, do you like having the entire weekend where it goes Thursday through Saturday? Selfishly, it's it, I need it. Yeah. You know, um, the, the best thing for me is is you get the districts at the University of Dayton all week, especially when you had Division One. It used to be five games, now it's four games. You see all the teams. Then you have regionals, usually at Trent Arena, except for Division One. you see all the teams. Go to State and Columbus to see all the teams. And, you know, I'm focusing a lot of my coverage, especially during the tournament. On the Southwest tournament, it's easier for me to get to. I can still see a lot of teams. So when it comes to state tournament time, I want to be able to see everybody. You know, my scouting service is only going to be successful if I can compare kids from our region to other kids in, the, you know, the state and try and build on that whole thing. So selfishly, I, I would be devastated if it um, – if they made a format change like that. Would you tweak anything in the sectional rounds? Because I hear from a lot of people like those early round games are just so lopsided. <laughs> yeah, I know I, I know people in Columbus always tell me that they really favor the um, having the first round games at home. Mm-hmm. And you know, that makes sense to me. I could see why they do that and uh, maybe I would make that change. And you know, even even in the last year, you know, I'm not gonna go and see number one seated Mueller play whoever's thirty right. fifth right. seated. So I've tried to change that a little bit and those sectional finals are where I really start to kinda I, I maybe take a little break from the end of the regular season to the sectional finals trying to get some papers together and then you know hit the ground running again sectional finals into the districts and beyond on let's see as many games as we can every night you just want to see those good matchups and see the, the talented players at the end of the day Corey, really appreciate your time thanks for bringing the perspective and uh as always be sure to uh follow Corey. C- tell everybody where they can follow your uh, your content yeah you can you can find me on twitter at uh cory c-o-r-e-y underscore albertson and uh, you can find me on the web at www.tripledoubleprospects.com. Uh, try and post as many event recaps when I go out to different basketball events as I can. And, uh, Mike, thanks for having me. Had a great time. Appreciate it. He's the guy in the know, Corey Albertson. I want to thank everybody for uh, watching us and listening to us today. Uh, we will be sure to have uh, more coverage of the high school football scene next week. And, hey, may name even talk a little more hoops, too, as well. You never know. So uh, this is Mike Dyer. We'll talk to you next week.